Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting. Hey Steve, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Wicked. Hey Eleanor, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. How's things? <laughs> Eleanor's laughing at the moment because we've just introduced Nick to vines. He hasn't heard of them before, and unfortunately, we had to tell him. About I it. thought you were talking about like uh, you know the California creeper and that sort of thing. Is oh. it called a Virginia creeper? That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's and right, yeah. like other sorts of vines. No, I've no, literally the... never, never <laughs> heard of it. It's ever. like it's like you like thawed a man out of the ice, isn't it? He just come them walking out. I'm like Mel Gibson in that <laughs> film, and he he's frozen from World War Two. Have you not heard of that film? Oh, I have seen that, but he was frozen in a box. Forever wasn't he? is it Forever Young? It's it called... might be, might oh be. God, terrible no, you're movie. Th- <laughs> Steve, what was the first app that sort of you didn't understand? What was the first thing that? Because for me it was TikTok. I didn't understand. That's TikTok. when that's when I realised I was old. I I don't get. I don't. I don't really get. I didn't really get vines to be honest. But like there are a few which are clearly funny. But like you know to be able to watch like a whole compilation of them, I just don't get it. I just have. I I just can't quite get it. So your attention span's too long. Longer than seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> just annoys me. Um, um. What's TikTok? Yeah, we'll move on to that next week. Right. <laughs> Don't overload my brain. <laughs> well, Stop bleeding out my it ears. It's true though. What is the first? There's, you know, sometimes you just like I just do not get it. There's, there's a, a bit where you stop trying. Yeah, there's a great there's a great bit from um, Bill Burr that says it says he talks tries to listen to music. And he listens to it and he goes he goes look I just I put them on for thirty seconds I couldn't do it. He says when I was young it was very simple. We dressed up like a woman and we sang songs about the devil. <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Welcome, listeners. Uh, It's good to have you back with us. We're currently, uh, as usual these days, it's becoming routine almost. We're in Steve's studio slash in the beautiful North London suburb of Finsbury Park. It's sunny now. It was raining earlier. I got absolutely apocalyptically covered in rain. I didn't because I arrived at the train station just as the rain stopped and I cycled up from Waterloo Mm, up here. And I had to drive the dog. The dog wasn't happy. I bet it wasn't, no. No. I'm surprised that the dog the dog is kind of quite robust, I'd say. He's not, yeah, it's not uh, quite robust. She's she's a robust dog. dog. You can kick her around. You could drop kick her. You could drop her and And she's the right size to (laughs) drop kick as well. It's often a thought I have when I see small dogs in the street. You no, know, I no, think stop. if I see a small dog, I genuinely think, I wonder how far I could drop kick that dog. Well, there's a question. What's the biggest dog you think you could drop kick? Because Alsatian, no way. No chance. I think you could drop kick a Labradoodle. No, oh. not a Labradoodle. What's the other one? Cockapoo. Cockapoo, yeah. Difficult to remember. Cockapoo, Labradoodle. Yeah. Cockapoo, you could probably drop kick, but its arms would flail around, wouldn't they? The legs would flail around in the kind of, kind of like a dead body what, kind of whereas way. Whereas a pug. You know, a pug you chuck be... a dead body out the window, you know, the arms and the legs <laughs> pop around. If you drop kick to Cockapoo, the same thing would happen. It's true. It would be true. horrible. I think a pug You think you'd be able to write one. itself. You know, cats can write, write themselves. themselves. Has anyone done that experiment with dogs? dogs? You lob them out of a first floor window and see whether they land on their legs and break them. Should, should we write a public engagement grant? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh about that. It's not, I don't, I don't you, sanction animal cruelty. I love dogs. Did I've you read? Dogs for many years, listeners. So. <laughs> did you read that uh, the inventor of the the uh, Labradoodle regrets it? Good. <laughs> what, what? 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 The the um the guy who who bred the first Labradoodle. Yeah. He was Australian. Uh, his name was Wally Conran, 
and he, his quote in the this New is, York Times this is, great, is great knowledge. I opened a Pandora box and released a Frankensteinian monster. Oh um, he says about the mophead dog. Yeah, he he regrets he regrets the Labradoodle. Jeez, but they don't mm. shed though, right? They don't shed. That's why people have them and cockapoos. Yes, it's basically for pretty people who don't like getting hairs on their sofa. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Or you can just buy a little robot vacuum cleaner like I've got, and then you don't. Is they... it operational at the moment? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it cleaned, it cleaned right? just before you came round. Oh, well, you can't bloody tell to be honest. Well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> He's so mean. I'm joking, of course, Steve. Well, you have your flat ra- This is a bit of a ramble of an introduction. It is anyway. Chop, so we're here. We're here in Finsbury Park. <laughs> Welcome everybody. So today we've got a great um, series of. Chit chat topics coming up. We've got a mm. bit of um, science nuggets. Probably we'll find out a bit about some scientific papers. I would expect. I've got a couple. Anyway, should we uh, should we get on with it? Yeah, let's. What's annoying, Nick? I got an email, Steve. Did you now today? From whom? Um, it was from a was journal. It from, was it from someone in Nigeria and they've got a load of money? No. <laughs> okay. I thought it was by the way they addressed me in the email. Right. It's from a journal called Matter. Matter. <laughs> Have you come across Matter? It's an RSC journal, isn't it? No. Oh. <laughs> no, I haven't. Anyway, it oh, was addressed soft, to... Soft Matter is the RSC. Yeah. The, the email was addressed to a Dr. Nicholas Musnicki E-Prince. Okay. <laughs> Which is not Dr. You. Nicholas Musnicki E-prints. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I tried to work out how they'd managed to get my name so garbled. Yeah. And I came to the con- conclusion there was some kind of algorithm thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a journal called Matter. It's actually the Cell Publishing Group, this okay. one. Okay, so that's a, that's a very respected... And something caught my eye because it was about the editorial team of the journal. Okay. Right? And they sound fun. <laughs> they sound like fun, fun people. Oh, my God. We are a smart, fun-loving group with a true passion for science. Those who have met us at conferences and site visits know that we like to have a little fun amongst ourselves. (laughs) While science is a serious business, mm, it need not be stodgy. Brainstorming how to reflect the variety of our team, we turn to another diverse field that is more universal. Beverages and food. Like science, food can be both bland and flavorful, sweet and spicy, and surprising and innovative. <laughs> Whether you are a self-designated foodie, bon vivant, or simply eat to sustain yourself, food, like science, is a necessary component of society. Yours truly, the editorial team. Wow. <laughs> Barry said that. Right, so that Ellen, that have you got me... to have you got to the point in your career where you get random emails from journals asking you to submit things yet? I get Twitter DMs. Okay. Yeah. I I, I probably get I don't know twenty a week asking me to submit to some made up journal somewhere. I get invited to a lot of conferences on Twitter, right. and I get asked to write for the Journal of Obscure Dentistry, <laughs> but all through all through people sliding into my DMs. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. Anyway, much as I'm taking the Mickey out of them, I thought there they are. Look, look, cool. Look at them. They're friendly lot. I like the look of them. They, I mean, something endeared me de- to de- them. Definitely, the second one from the left there looks the most fun. Something endeared <laughs> me to them. 
right? Yeah. I became endeared. So I started reading more of the journal. <laughs> Nick's so like, they were it worked. The social outcasts, the rejects of society. <laughs> they're the ones I can I can it's react like the to. The suicide squad of <laughs> journal editing. <laughs> it worked really exactly. well because I read that and I thought I'm going to read more. And I well, clicked you got, on the link in you the email. Got, you got suckered in. I clicked on the link. I didn't get suckered in. I was a winner. Right. Because it's a good journal with fun articles. Give me, a, give me an example um, of a fun article. So, well, there was one. <laughs> so, this article that I read is called Emulsiogenesis and the Emergence of Nano Emulsions. Okay. Which is a great. It's a historical review on emulsions, right? Okay. And this... This took me back to University Challenge last night. Right. Yes. Watching you, did you watch University yes, Challenge? Yes, and my, my partner, who was a chemist, and myself, who was a chemist, and we <laughs> didn't get the emulsions question. Oh, my God. I wanted God. to die. <laughs> so, yeah, I've already told you the answer. But there was a question which was, what, what do you call a colloid where one of them, or whatever is is, they're both liquids, basically. Mm. And the answer is emulsion, right? So I knew the answer to that because I work with emulsions at the moment. That's the only reason that I knew the answer. Um, do you know what the earliest emulsion was? People think. Milk. I don't think this is in the article. This is just me having a little look around. Milk is a good answer, but it's not the right one. Because milk is... Actually, the word emulsion came comes from the Latin, Latin to milk out. And it's because latex is one of the earliest mm. animal-based emulsions is an emulsion. So oily emulsion plants make latex very good make rubber with it but actually it's uh, uh flagellate all these early bacteria and things algae and zooplankton floating around were making complex hydrocarbons at the beginning you know we're talking billions of years ago now yeah that's where crude oil comes from emulsions crude oil is squashed algae and zooplankton so all of these zooplankton that were living millions of years ago getting embedded in the soil and compressed and all the rest of it. Yeah. That's what leads to crude oil. I always thought it was mashed up forests. But the that majority of crude oil comes from microorganisms which are compressed over a long period of time to form... So what, what's, the, what's the emulsion? Is this something they secrete? Oh, they make it in their cells. So our fat cells have emulsions, almost yeah. like emulsions. We produce fat all the time. Yeah. So you've got globules of fat floating around inside your cells. Yeah. Often they get put in little special organelles, but... They do initially form as globules. So the earliest emulsion is these sorts of oily emulsions that these bacteria make, from which now we get crude oil. Anyway, the other thing about this article that amused me, apart from the little nuggets of information like that, was that the whole article is just a big argument about semantics. Because <laughs> <laughs> basically... Well, how do you define it, man? Basically, yeah. they were called... Basically, the, the author is a guy called Thomas Mason. Yeah who um, I had a look at him. He's in California. Seems like a guy. It's a really well-written article. I recommend people read it. Emulsiogenesis and the Emergence of Nano Emulsions. Anyway, he's talking about nano, because they used to be called microemulsions, regardless of their size. But right. now he's become pissed off, because owing largely to the popularity of nano, um, <laughs> and what's this? Here we go. Well, what is the size of the emulsion? It doesn't. Well, that's a good question. It's a little bit hazy. All the emulsions, even microemulsions, always been in a nanoscale. Right. They've always just been called microemulsions because nano the the nanoscale thing was only invented like after people had already called the microemulsions. Right. Basically. Okay. 
but basically and he, he mentions a sort of so there's precedent to call it micro emulsions even though they're not the, the term micro there wasn't being used to yeah, denote owing largely to the popularity of the word nano and the significant funding initiatives, <laughs> researchers in the field of colloidal science began to relabel materials in their errors nano. Is inverted commas every time he mentions nano. He's not happy about what it. What once were colloidal particles of solid materials instead became known as nanoparticles, inverted commas. For instance, gold colloids were used to stain glass from at least the 4th century. For example, in the famous Lycurgus Cup. And the dispersions of gold colloids made and studied scientifically by Faraday in the 1850s have been relabeled in the post-nano era as gold nanoparticles. Do, do you know you can still go into, <laughs> you can still go into the Science Museum and there is a uh, colloidal suspension of gold um, made by Michael Faraday that is still, still in suspension. That is amazing. You can go and see it. It's bright red. Anyway, so that was my little story about um, uh, emulsions. And the journal Matter. Are you going to write something for them? There's a couple of good editorials. The team, the team sound like fun. Some more material. Should we go go get drunk with them and and podcast? I just want to drink experience. What did they say? What did they say at the end? Let me just read their email sign off so I can sign off to our listeners as well. (laughs) Oh, my God. I've got to read some of these. This is a quote from Steve. Sorry, I'm going to have to say one one more thing. Steve, this is his little uh, thing here. An unopened bottle of whiskey is like a newly submitted manuscript. Who said that? Steve. Who's Steve? Steve. Who's Steve? Steve. This is what he called Steve. Look, he's an editor. Steve. Okay. Steve. Steve. He says Steve. So it wasn't me. It's Steve. Because that is the type Steve. of wanky thing I might say. An unopened bottle of whiskey is very much like making love to a bit. Sorry. <laughs> is like a newly submitted manuscript. Plenty of potential and an unlimited number of possibilities. Phenols serendipitously placed on aromatics. Contribute to the characteristics. Oh, I take it back. I want to punch this guy. You know? To a whiskey's flavour. Maturation in wooden barrels serves to extract some of the nasty bits, like a good peer review. Oh the end result should be robust, smooth, and satisfying. If you write, if you write anything for this, for these people, let me just wait. sign off in the way that the matter editorial team do. Bon appétit, bon lecture, bon savoir. <laughs> <laughs> Bacterial bacteria have got to do with um, nuclear power and bombs. Uh, do they eat graphite moderating rods? That's a good start. Did you watch Chernobyl recently? No. Oh, dude, you should watch that. Yeah, it's a good I'm sure many of our listeners, well, two or three of the five or six, <laughs> will have That's seen many. the film Chernobyl. Not, Sh- not film, the TV series on Netflix, Chernobyl, which is great, which is about... Um, the process of what happens when a nuclear reaction goes out of control. Dun, dun, dun. So most reactors work by using fissile elements. Stuff like falls apart. Uranium or ne- or or plutonium, plutonium are two of them. There are others, I think, you can mm. do it with thorium and things like that as well. But anyway, do you know where the term fission comes from? Where does it come? It must come from the Latin. 
or the Greek. I'm going to go for Latin. Oh, I don't know actually. I don't know what, which which which, right. um, which classical language it comes from. But it comes from bacteriology. Is that really? I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, because like it was initially the people who discovered fission. Well, the guy was Otto Hahn, and he worked very closely with Lisa Meitner. Okay. So they were physicists. There's a Meitnerium now, isn't there, on the periodic there is. table? Yeah. So they were working in Berlin just in the period when the Nazis came to power. Lisa Meitner was a Jew. She had to leave Germany. Um, well, I think she was working in Austria for a period of time. Probably not a nice well. place to be. Probably might want to leave. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Not so, so she went to work in Sweden eventually. Right. Otto Hahn, when he was doing these experiments, he was one of the early nuclear physicists, noticed that he was getting a lot of barium from uranium. And he couldn't work out. And first of all, they thought that he'd made a mistake. It wasn't barium. Right. And anyway, so cut a long story short, the nephew of Lisa Meitner, it's a guy called Otto Frisch, and he was visiting his aunt in uh, in Sweden, and she was talking through, she'd seen a letter, she'd got a letter from Otto Hahn, she was good friends with Otto Hahn, and um, was reading about this bear, and they couldn't work out, and this guy Otto um, Frisch suggested that he'd got it wrong, he was detecting the wrong element, because no, no one before this time had heard of fission, right? Right. They didn't, it was just not a thing that you wouldn't think a large element like uranium. You'd think it would break off into, you'd, you'd get an emission of an alpha particle and it would just decrease in atomic mass by a couple of, yeah. you know, two or three. So didn't think it was gonna, you weren't going to create gold. No, <laughs> like, but then you know. they realised what was going on. She realised what was going on was the yeah. uranium nucleus was splitting in two, into lighter elements. Mm -hmm. um, so they did the calculations, basically worked this out. And... Uh, Otto Frisch suggested he was trying to work out well what we're we going to call this new process, and basically he had a mate who was a Actually, microbiologist, and he says, "What do you call it? You know that thing? I've got when, a mate who's a biologist. You know that thing? Who's yeah. that? <laughs> that thing when two cells divide to form one? What's yeah. it called? He said fission. That's yeah. where the term comes from. So the word fission comes from. The do you know where the term? Do you know where the term cell comes from? I don't. Do you know who wrote it down first? Um, Leeuwenhoek. No, but you're not far off. Robert Hooke. Robert Hooke coined the term cell, Ooh. and he did it in um, the cork, cork of. Um, sorry, it was in the cell, the, the the plant cells of cork, because they're very large, and you can see them with it, not very powerful microscopes. It's um, interesting. Anyway, yeah. another interesting way. Otto Hahn was awarded the Nobel Prize for discovering nuclear fission. Lisa Meitner wasn't awarded. It's considered one of the greatest injustices. Girl, Possibly because she was female. I think when she they went back, when they went back through the archives, because they released the Nobel Committee deliberations, are released fifty years after the decision's been made. So right. it wasn't until the 1990s. It was ignorance in the committee, generally. Right. General ignorance. But everyone knows that it was a, a sort of miscarriage. Well, she she got, was awarded she multiple element. other things. I'd rather, have an, an element. Element I'd rather have an element than the Nobel Prize. So, um, so, yeah, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's how fission was named. Good. So I had to go to Brussels last week. Oh, did for you? For a really big grant interview. Oh, it was really miserable. They were was so it? they were so mean to me, Nick. <laughs> but you like, got to go through this uh, thing, haven't you? I agree with you. There's too much time wasted in in writing grant applications and getting them rejected. It's like, I mean, what other system can you have? I mean, I was reading that thing the other day. Random. I can't remember what science it was. He, he's, there was Don't a grant panels. Just there was randomly. a grant application, and um, he said, "I would like ten thousand marks." That was his grant applications for famous scientist. 10,000 marks. It's by Otto Warburg. And here is a copy of his grant application. Ich benötige 
10,000 mark Otto Wilberg that's you it see, you see Eleanor all these things you get shielded from you have to look forward to all of this I require 10,000 marks you got it fully funded did you really? <laughs> God imagine that but it was in like it was a long time ago when they had less money to spend on these things, presumably. Yeah, yeah. There were fewer people doing science, probably. Do you think crowdsourcing of science is going to take off? Interesting idea, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think you're only going to do trendy things then. Um, what about PhD student? What, crowdfund a PhD student? Well, if you student? said, you know, this is what we do in our lab, and this is the type of... And this, let me explain to you why I think it's so important. And then all we need from you is five quid a month. And, that, and what we'll do is you'll be able to come to the lab once a year. We're going to have an open day and you get to see exactly what the... I think you'd be taking it off more worthy causes, to be honest. Everyone's got a fiver. It's just a coffee a month, isn't it? You get to fund True. actual research. True. Do what do they get for it? Um, cup of tea. Copy of the PhD thesis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Steve um, you know what's finished now Game of Thrones is finished we spoke about Game of Thrones before I've got something about I'm it I'm so not sorry about it no, having only it? watched I've watched three episodes we and I concluded the, that yeah. it's just like EastEnders except got, in Dungeons and Dragons it's a soap opera yeah but it's got it's a meandering it. pointless soap opera yeah I, I there are think plenty of other places I, you can look at boobs <laughs> if you so desire rather than sitting through <laughs> endless Dungeons and Dragons crap. sure and I think the the, the writing that that may, I think probably made it successful in the first place was definitely not there in the end because uh, George Martin wasn't writing the script. Wasn't he? No. Because oh, right. he hasn't even Were finished Were you one the of the yet. people who lost their... Lost their... Shitty poos. Shitty poos. People <laughs> got angry about the last series. Oh. I mean, even I know that and I didn't, okay. don't even no, like well, it. No, well, actually, well, it, I don't know if you remember, in it, there's um, in the bit where they have to fight the zombies or whatever they're called, the White Walkers. Right. They have, um, they have like a... Um, they have a, uh, a weapon against them, which is they call dragon glass, right? Which is like a little crystal that kills them, but whereas normal swords don't, right? right. But anyway, dragon glass is thought to be obsidian. I've got some facts about obsidian, which is a piece of. I think I know what obsidian is. So, well, tell me, what is obsidian? Well, it's a black, glassy volcanic rock. That is very black. Why um, people use the word obsidian to sort of sort of highlight the blackness of something. Yeah, and there's, a, there's got some really interesting properties, obsidian. Has it? Yeah. So I don't know anything okay. more about it. So it's that. called a, it's called it's formed from what's called a, a felsic lava, and felsic apparently means the the the, the lava is relatively fast moving, and so what it means is no big crystals or chunks form in it. It basically crystallizes very quickly, so you mm. don't so the crystals so because of that it has some interesting crystal structures, uh, and this. Felsic also means that the, the the mineral content is normally quite light elements, right? So they're all silicates, but you know they contain, um, you know, some more of the lighter elements of the periodic table. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because it, it's very brittle, 
um, because it doesn't have these kind of large crystal lattices. It's got like, lots of small, um, non-uniform crystal lattices. So it forms really sharp edges. Yeah. So it's actually used all the way back. Uh, well, the earliest they can find, which is a bit, um, is up seven thousand BC. They've got evidence of people like, um, like using uh, forming obsidian into sharp edges to cut things. Right. Can you make a sword from it? You can't really make a sword because it can't really. It can't. It's it's too more. It's brittle. more sharp. Yeah. So so it would just crack. It's too brittle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they uh, they use it today. I thought it was kind of relevant to you. I found this this article. It's called "Ancient Technology in Contemporary Sur- uh, Surgery" by Bruce Buck um, from the Western Journal of Medicine from 1982. Um, but anyway, he um, this 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 whole paper is about them using it uh, for scalpels. And evaluating how how because sh- apparently it's much sharper than a metal scalpel. It goes down to a, there's a there's a electron micrograph of it um, and other papers down to about three nanometers. So Whoa. it's tight. So it's about ten atoms across. Whoa, that is right? sharp. And if you if you look zoom in on a if you take an electron microscope and, and zoom in on like a normal scalpel blade, right. Actually, when you zoom in, it's quite rough. You think about a scalpel blade being really sharp. But actually, if you zoom in and zoom in, you can see all of the the polishing marks. And actually, it's not a sh- sharp edge. But obsidian, super, super sharp, right? Tight, like imagine the, almost the, sh- the sharpest point, one of the sharpest points we know. Silicon, elemental silicon and silicon oxide, you can get sharper. But, but it's very there's very few naturally occurring compounds that actually get that sharp. Oh um, so anyway, this, this paper is this gentleman called um, uh, Bruce Buck. He, he works with this guy called uh, Crabtree. And they, um, they, they, they performed surgery on mice. Um, and then watch them heal, um, and they cut them open with a sc- surgical scalpel blade and one made oh, of obsidian, nice. and then they compared how quickly uh, they recover. And actually, the obsidian one they recover a little bit quicker. Uh, oh, but it's, really? But it's because not it's because like it's sharp. less traumatic. Well, that, that's the argument: is that the the, the scale because it's so sharp. You can yeah. you can buy obsidian scalpel blades today, um, but you just can't use them on humans. They're not approved for human use. No, because you probably um, get a bit of chunk left in you. Because well, that's it's the, that would be the argument. But actually, they didn't find any evidence. Really? That. No, that, that that is the typical. Because so you brittle. get those ceramic knives, don't you, in the yeah. kitchen sometimes? Yeah, but they're comp- they're composite material. I yeah, think. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're just they're basically just baked. That's interesting. Particle. So that's how you can cut things, especially zombies, with a piece of volcano. Exactly right. <laughs> they also use it. Um, so, what what other uses do you think you might need of something being really sharp in your kind of everyday life? Um, I mean, it's heavy, so they use it for like plinths and things like that sometimes. But there's another thing, really expensive area of um, record player. Exactly right. Really? So you can buy it. So te- Technics had a se- had a um, series of um, styluses Needles. in the 70s, which apparently are like gold dust. If you've got one, they're worth hundreds Ooh. and nearly thousands of pounds. Uh, where they I'll just have take to have a, a tiny dig around. Yeah, check uh, if I've got one. <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, oh, dragon glass. Great. Hey, Brian. I've got a new dog. you got a new dog. I've got a dog, mate. What's your dog called? Cockapoo. It's a cockapoo. What do you yeah. call him? Um, is it a cocky, good brummy name? Cocky. Cocky the cockapoo. Cocky the cockapoo. Is he a, br- a brummy cocky? Oh, no, he's not. He got, I got him from, uh, got him from Darleston. What? Darleston? Where's yeah, Darleston? It's, kind of, it's down the road, mate. All oh, right. Is that where by, Darleston is? Is, great that, place. is that near the Banks's brewery? No, it's in Wolvo, mate, the Banks's brewery. My, my, jo- my geography knowledge, Eleanor, is exclusively populated anyway, from the, from the, the back from, country. Got the dog from Darlow. From, from He's a good dog. Brian. The wife loves him, doesn't shed on the sofa, nothing like that. <laughs> oh, he licks your face. Is it your first dog? No, I've had one before. Okay. He dead though, mate. <laughs> he died. 
<laughs> Never mind. He was a good dog. Okay. Did you enjoy the science shed this you know, week? When, he, when we, we had him cremated, yeah. that dog ate a lot of ashes. A lot of ashes. A lot of ashes. Yeah. Where did you sprinkle the ashes? Down in the woods, mate. Of course he did. Is that his favourite place? Yeah, we're not far from it. You know, them sticklebacks near the pond. <laughs> Yeah. But so much ash left a bloody great trail all over the grass oh. and the soil and everything. Well, oh, you dear. get to return him from the ground from which you came. Great. Anyway, enjoyed the podcast, you mate. Like this one. Yeah, great. <laughs> well, anyway, we, we should. Uh, uh, if you want, if you like the science shed, you should get people to follow it on Twitter. What's the Twitter thing then, it's mate? Called, it's called uh, it's at the science shed. Okay. Have you got a Twitter account, Brian? No, I haven't got even got a computer, mate. <laughs> Of course you don't, yeah. Well, if not, they can enjoy another one uh, next week because they're coming out every week this time. I'll keep looking out for them then, eh? All right, great. See you next time. Ta-da! Bunsen, Burner, Dolly, Machine, Internal, Combustion, Why Do We Need, Petri, Dishy, Oscar, Bay, Isaac, Newton, Transplanting, Bunsen!